Well, good morning. I too greet you all in Jesus' name. It's good to be here again this morning. I thought I'd mention, probably many of you already know, that along with all the others that are sick, my father is in the hospital up in Walla Walla right now as well with COVID and pneumonia. So you can remember him on the prayer list as well. He seems to be doing well so far. You know, but I think one of the big things right now, aside from the threat of dying, is simply the loneliness in those places because you can't have visitors or very few or very limited. And uh, I was able to talk to him on the phone and it stood out to me. I don't know if you've talked to my dad on the phone very much, but often you can't get a goodbye in before he hangs up. It's just pretty, he talks and says his thing and then clunk and he's done. And he just lingered on the phone, and uh, I was the one that needed to say goodbye finally and move on. So it impressed me that people that are in the hospitals, that's part of the uh, difficulty, is the loneliness right now. So that's real. Thank you all that already spoke this morning. It's been a blessing for your effort and study sharing here this morning. I'll test your memory a little bit. It's probably not a very fair test, or it may be asking a lot. I don't know. How many of you remember the message that Dan Weaver preached last time he preached? Any of you remember? Besides Dan? Well, Lindsay remembers. Anyone else? Miriam? Okay. There's a few. He preached on prayer. And probably the reason that I stuck in my mind so well is because I was on to preach the next Sunday and I had a, I was planning on preaching on prayer and fasting along with that. And then it was Tanner Zare's funeral and a lot of other things happened. So Dan did a very good job on the subject of prayer, I felt. And so this morning I want to focus especially on the part of fasting. I don't know if you've ever heard a message on fasting. Uh, You probably have some, but as far as I can remember, I've only heard one message in my life that was focused on fasting. There's been teaching on fasting. But... And I, in no way, am a, feel like I'm an authority on it or superly experienced on it. I want to say that right up front. But fasting, I believe, is a tool that God has given His people in the church that is very, maybe I'm surmising wrongly, but I'm guessing underused in many cases. I don't know if you fast or not. Maybe you do lots. Maybe you don't. Maybe you never have. I don't I don't know that. And in a way that's probably good. That is what Jesus taught is that part of fasting is or fasting generally is to be a private thing. It's not to be told to mankind. 
But a little review on prayer, because prayer and fasting do go hand in hand, um, obviously. But Dan started out with the question, what is prayer? And there was some different answers, but if I remember right, TJ gave the answer that he remembered in Bible school, them saying that prayer is the answering of the knock, or something like that. And that sounds like a bit of a strange definition of prayer right at first. But if you think about that and unpack that thought a bit, I believe it's actually a very good answer, definition. The answering of the knock. You know, God is inviting. God wants us to talk to Him, which is often what we think about prayer as, is me saying things to God or asking things of God. And that is a part of what prayer is, but it's much more than that. It's God speaking to us and us answering the knock. In Revelation 19 and 3, 19 and 20, a couple verses here, he is speaking to the Laodicean church and he says, As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. And you get the picture there of a relationship between what God wants and his people. The first thing that needs to happen is we need to hear, hear his voice. And then the decision is made by us, by you and only you, if you will open that door. It is not your parents, it is not your church, it is not your pastor, but you and only you and each one of us will and can decide if we're going to open that door. God cannot open that, or will not open that door. Satan isn't in charge of that door, and neither is anyone else. You are the doorkeeper. I am the doorkeeper of our heart. And often we like to blame circumstances and people and a lot of things as to why I fell or why I anything, but it comes down to simply a personal decision as to what we allow in and out of our hearts. It's a battle of who's going to be the boss, me or God. And young people and older people and every one of us, you have every right, you control what you want to do in your heart. Nobody can pressure you otherwise. You are in full control of that. But always remember that you are not in control of the consequences of the choices that you make. The title that I chose for this message on fasting comes out of Isaiah 58. And if you want to, you can turn to Isaiah 58. I plan to read that here in a little bit. Maybe you wonder if fasting is really necessary. Is it commanded? Is it, do I need to do it to be a Christian? Well, you know, so many of those questions aren't even the right questions. Um, I'm not sure how to answer that. I would say that uh, 
fasting is uh, something that the people of God has all, have always, there's been a pattern of fasting through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. Jesus did it. The early church did it. And I believe people that are serious about living the Christian life will use this tool that God has given them. What is fasting? Maybe I just say a little bit. Most of you would know what fasting is. Younger children, maybe you're not as clear on that. But fasting, basically, as we think of it, and it is usually practiced, is abstaining from food for a period of time for spiritual or religious purposes. Fasting can also be other things. It can be abstaining from other legitimate things in our life. It's not fasting is not thought to be of fasting or, or abstaining from sin. We should all abstain from sin all the time. But fasting is for a period of time abstaining from legitimate things to focus on God and what his will is for my life. Fasting is something that we generally, at least I don't, do for personal enjoyment. Fasting is uncomfortable. Fasting weakens the physical body. It does not feel good to the flesh. I dread, my flesh dreads fasting. Fasting is, the purpose of fasting is a time to diminish the senses of the flesh and of the body, to lessen them, to intentionally weaken them so that we can see and hear more clearly the things of God. Our, our flesh often gets in the way of being able to see and to hear properly. And maybe, as I think back, this message has been on my mind for quite some time, and as I tried to bring that into focus a little bit as to what the heart of the message is, I think that at least part of it is as you think about all the problems around the world that are going on, the hurting and the suffering and the negativity and the fighting and the bondages and the heartaches, and then you bring it a little bit closer to churches and our homes and our Halsey Mennonite Church, my home, your home, and the needs some are maybe unknown. Maybe others are known, physical and especially spiritual, spiritually. Maybe some are caught in a habitual sin that you cannot overcome. Some maybe are lonely or discouraged or end up with depression. Maybe there's relational conflicts in the home or in the church or feelings and bad attitudes. Maybe it's just something that I want to get married and I struggle. I can't, it doesn't seem to be working out. Or maybe it's for someone else that is struggling, a loved one that you care about, a neighbor, and you want to reach them. You don't know how to help them. And so how, what is the answers for all these problems in life? What is, where do we turn to? Where do we find strength for these answers? And how do we find victory? Or is there victory? Do I just have to settle for that this is the way it is? It just happens once a month. 
You know, the Christian life is a battle that will go on until we die. That is just a reality, and we just as well settle that in our minds. But the lack of victory and the inability to rise above and to be a conqueror, more than a conqueror, Sometimes I wonder if the problem with that is that we're looking in the wrong places for our answers. We've allowed the world and different other things to, to try their methods. We skirt the heart of the issues. And we don't use the method that God has given for prayer and fasting. An exercise that Jesus taught. The Bible teaches. And I think the reason that we don't do that, or the reason that I use it so rarely, is because it's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel good. It gets right to the heart of the flesh. I would rather sit back and watch a DVD. I'd rather sing or listen to a good message, podcast, meet with people, talk and talk and talk. But I don't want to make my flesh uncomfortable. And I think that is what fasting gets right to the heart of in our carnal Christianity. And that's why we do it so little. And I wonder what the picture would be like in my life or your life or the church's life if we would be, not be so s- slow or wait or use it as a last resort to just fast and pray a little bit more often. You know, so often, I think, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but all these complicated problems that I mentioned, whether they're relationship problems, emotional, I don't know. I think there's physical problems. But these spiritual problems that we grapple with and try to find answers for, when you follow that back far enough and get to the root and the heart of what is actually the problem and going on, it is often just some manifestation of flesh that has not been put to death or dealt with. And it can be dressed up in all kinds of other things and words and but when it boils right down to it, it's uncrucified flesh and selfishness. You know, we, the Bible says, talking about marriage and a husband, as he's supposed to love and cherish his wife, he says a husband has never yet not cherished and loved his own flesh. And I think that is just true. We naturally, as human beings, take pretty good care of ourselves. We look out for ourselves. If we're uncomfortable, we try to get comfortable. That is not bad. That is a natural thing. And I think another point here, if you forget everything else, prayer and fasting, it is to ask for God's help in our lives. But I think that one of the big purposes, especially of fasting, is to find God's will and to align my will with His will. It is aligning, it is adjusting, and we'll talk about that maybe a little bit more after a little bit. Let's read chapter 58 here of Isaiah. I'll read the whole chapter. The last two verses are kind of switching a little bit maybe. 
the subject. Isaiah 58. This is God here talking to his people through Isaiah. Cry aloud, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily, and delight to know my ways, as a nation that did righteousness, and forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, say they, and thou, and thou seest not? Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast ye find pleasure, and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate, and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day, to make your voice to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head as a bulrush, and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast, and an acceptable day of the Lord? Is, this, is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and that thou bring the poor that thou art cast out to thy house, when thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, and that thou hide not thyself from thine own flesh? Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. Then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. Thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take away from the midst of thee the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, and the speaking vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall they, thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually, and satisfy thy soul in drought, and make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden, and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. And they that shall be of thee shall build the old waste places. Thou shalt rise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor him, not, do, not doing thine own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then shalt thou delight thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. <clears throat> here in the first five verses here, God is describing to the children of Israel that the problem wasn't that they were not fasting. They were fasting, but God was pointing out some flaws in the fast that they were made. And before I forget, the, I don't know if I gave the title, the title that I chose was in verse 6, the fast that I have chosen. God has chosen a fast for us. And he was saying here at the beginning a few problems that they were doing with their fasting, the carnality of it and the self, uh, 
fulfillment that they were trying to get out of their fast. And they were a little bit disappointed or angry with God that, you know, after all we've been fasting, aren't you hearing what I'm asking? You're not responding to what I'm saying, God. And God is pointing that out. And I want to just point out a few things here that fasting is not to be the fast that the Lord has chosen. And that is, fasting is not for God necessarily. I think it's part of it, but not primarily for God to hear me and to listen to what I have to say. I think that he wants to hear that. But I think that we always need to keep in mind that that is not the point. We are not protesting to God and demanding to God. You know, there's things called hunger strikes. You read about them in the news. There's Over the years, people have done them. Where they have a cause, maybe they get in prison, or maybe it's political or some other reason, and they say, I'm going to go on a hunger strike. I'm going to quit eating until the, something, the government conforms to what I want or something. I'm just going to start, slowly starve myself to death. And people do that. People have died in protest. And that is trying to pressure and trying to force their agenda and their will on somebody else or some other entity. And that is, I think, sometimes where we can be mistaken in our fasts. We have something that we want out of God. And so we'll spend a day fasting and praying for God, for this. And God does not do it. And we're disappointed. We're di- we uh, don't trust Him. He must not hear me. Doesn't isn't getting behind my program and supporting what I want. But that is missing the whole point. We need to remember that a big part of fasting and prayer is to try to understand the will of God and then to align my life with what God's will is. Not align His will with what my will is. Fasting is not to impress God. It is not to or other people. And Jesus taught that in Matthew 6. I'm going to read just a few verses in Matthew 6. Fasting is a personal exercise between me and God, between you and God. Jesus said in Matthew 6:16 6, and 17 and 18, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. And there can be a temptation to kind of like in the world leak it to the press and uh, not directly, but let people know that I'm fasting. And maybe that could be even a bit of a pressure point on somebody that, you know, I don't like something. And by the way, you know, I've been fasting about this for quite some time. That is not the fast of the Lord. That is manipulative. And Jesus said here the Pharisees did that, the hypocrites, where they, they, were, they fasted twice a, twice a week, maybe, and made a big show of it. They, made a, they had a sad countenance. And that's another thing we can do. The more spiritual we get, we change our voice tone, and we get a long face, and um, we get really sober. And that's... Uh, supposed to, I guess, mean we're spiritual. 
But Jesus said, you know, get up, wash your face, comb your hair, go on with life. As far as people know, they can't tell that you're fasting because it is something between you and God. It is a work that God needs to do in you. It is not a work that you need to do in your brother. So fasting is a private thing between us and God. There are many reasons that we could, can and should fast for good reasons, for wisdom, for direction. As you go through life, whether we like it or not, we are handed forks in the road, choices to make, decisions that need to be made. And we don't always know what is the best way to make the decision. And so fasting and prayer can help. It isn't always that an answer is handed down, but I think as we yield ourselves and ask counsel and we seek God's will that we can find guidance. Fasting can be used for personal victory in our own lives, an area of struggling. It talks about here, he says in verse 6, the fast that he has chosen is to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to break every yoke, to find freedom. That is what fasting can be used for. Fasting is also that one of the purposes is for intercessory fasting, for the needs of someone else. Maybe they're sick right now. People that are sick, we care about and we pray for them. But then there's spiritual needs and people that have rebelled, maybe our enemies that we struggle with. Fast and pray for that person. Now there's something about intercessory prayer and fasting that changes our attitude often about the person that we have a problem with. Sometimes that's all it, that takes care of the whole problem. Other times it doesn't. But to keep our own attitude in a right way. And then when our own attitude is soft and our heart is soft, then we are more in a position where we can actually help that hurting person or that rebellious person. And in this, as we pray, whether it's for ourselves or someone else, always keep in mind, whether it's my dad in the hospital, you know, it changes things when it's someone that gets pretty close home that is maybe going to die. All of a sudden, the battle that thy will be done is maybe a little bit harder. It's, you know, God, I really, you need to do it this way, but... You know, we might mumble, thy will be done, but it's a little bit harder to actually let God's will be done and align my will with God's if he chooses to take my loved one. Fasting helps us to let go of some of our things that we hang on to so tightly. Fasting leads to action, it says here. You can see that. He said it will help you to feed the hungry, clothe those in need. It it prompts us to do something about it. That is another thing that I think it's just a principle of God. You have a person, a need in your community, a neighbor, a brother in the church. When you start to pray for them, they become on your heart and mind. And then, then you can see the opportunities and you can think about helping them in some way. 
Whereas if you're not engaged in that, it's easy to just forget about it. Okay, so why why fast? Why not? Why fast? And I cannot answer that. Why not just pray? What's wrong with just praying? Nothing's wrong with just praying. I'm not saying that, but why fast at all? And I, I don't know that I can answer that question thoroughly, but I think there's something about fasting that is a test for our own will and seriousness. You know, any sinner can throw up a prayer when he gets in a bind. And we, any saint can pray on our way to work in between bites of a sandwich. Um, it's an easy thing to do. We can pray on the go. We can even kneel down for a few minutes and pray. It doesn't cost a lot. But fasting starts to cost just a little bit, even though it maybe isn't much in the big scheme of life. But it's discomfort. It's weakness. It's a headache. It's shakiness. And it's not something you just want to do. So I think that fasting is something that gets our own attention and softens our own heart and crucifies our own flesh. We as humans, I don't want to be over overstating about our flesh here, but I think that we need to recognize that our flesh and self is not our spiritual friend. Yes, it's something that we live with. It's something that we will live with until we die. And it is not wrong to be hungry for a good warm meal and to grill a good piece of meat. I I love good food. My wife's a good cook and I enjoy often and look forward to meals. It's not wrong to have a good time with your friends and a hobby and activities, I don't believe. It's not wrong to fall in love with someone and marry them. That is the way God designed it. It's a blessing. It's not. We shouldn't feel guilty for enjoying these things in life. But I think the thing that we need to remember always is that these good and legitimate things of life, even basic things like food, if we're not careful, can become a bondage or become, uh, yeah, a god in a sense to, in our lives. And in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, and 13 Paul says here, all things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meat for the belly and belly for the meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. And so I think he is saying here, I don't think I'm taking this out of context, but that There are many good things. There's lawful things that are not wrong. And that's often where we go wrong is, well, what's wrong with it? Is it a sin? Does it say it in the Bible that I can't do it? And if it doesn't, then I get to do it. Well, you can live life that way, but you'll be a midget spiritually. He says, if you want, all things are lawful, but what is expedient? What actually helps you and strengthens you? And the food and the hobbies and the music and the volleyball and the hunting and fishing, so many things that we enjoy in life can be good in their place. They can provide relaxation and refreshment for the Christian from the normal grinds of life. But we need to be careful because every one of these things, although they're as legitimate as can be, we can be brought under the power of them. And they become our master. And the Bible talks about those whose God is their belly. As basic and needful as food is, 
that can become our God. We're always overeating and always looking to the next meal and food and fantasizing about these things. Fasting, when we empty our bellies and we get uncomfortable, there's a sharpness that comes to our mind and a different perspective and the things of earth kind of dim a little bit and the spiritual things become more real. You know, if we do not have... The Christian life is not all about self-discipline. And I know there'd be plenty of people that say, oh, you're preaching a works gospel and all of that. And I'm, I don't believe I am, but I believe that the Christian life takes self-discipline and, and crucifying of the flesh. And if we don't have self-discipline in the legitimate things of life, if we can't control them, it is very unlikely that we will be able to control the things that are wrong in our lives if we can't say no sometimes to things that are okay. Esau was a man like that. Esau was a man with little self-control, it appears. He was a fleshly man. He did not think very far beyond the present and how he felt in that moment. When he came back from hunting, he was tired and he smelled and he saw this food that Jacob had made. It was delicious especially from a man that was so hungry. And in that, he said, I'm faint. And so Jacob, of course, he was not a nice, very, he was deceitful. It wasn't very nice of him to do this, but he took advantage of his brother. And he probably knew his brother's weakness and he capitalized on it in this moment. And he said, if you sell me your birthright, you can have a, you can have a bowl of this right now, immediately. And Esau, being so short-sighted and in the moment, just said, well, you know, might as well. My birthright won't do me any good if I die. So he did that. And it can look, he sold his birthright for a mess of pottage. And it seems so ridiculous and it seems so short-sighted. And yet, are we really that much different sometimes? When we are in a moment of temptation, when we are in a, our flesh is screaming out, for whatever. Relief, pleasure, comfort. Sometimes we'll just trade in the things of God and the spiritual things of life for this little mess of pottage. Jesus fasted. Why would Jesus fast? Jesus was the Son of God. You know, that's intriguing to me. Not only did he fast, he fasted for 40 days. And I don't know why all the Bible says that he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. But it doesn't seem to me that it would take 40 days for that to happen. But for whatever reason, I think there's probably symbolisms in that, that right after Jesus was baptized and before he started his earthly ministry, he was led into the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And Jesus, even Jesus, had fleshly desires, fleshly appetites he had to deal with. And I don't know besides that, you know, up to that time, I believe, Jesus, I think Jesus was a fairly normal man. Um, some reasons I think that is because when he started miracles, some people were saying, isn't, isn't this just Jesus? I mean, he's, we've known him all our lives, a normal man. So Jesus probably worked and ate and 
did all the things like most people do, but when he, Jesus knew what he was about to face, and he knew it wasn't going to be easy, there's going to be a lot of pressures, spiritual battles. And so Jesus intentionally went out into the wilderness. In the wilderness, there's not much going on out there. It's a pretty, pretty empty, barren place. And he went out there, and he didn't eat, and his body grew weak, and I imagine he prayed, and he meditated. And as his body grew weaker and weaker, I believe his spirit grew stronger and stronger. Because the Bible says in Luke 4, 13 and 14, this is after he fasted, it says, and after the temptations, which of course the devil, the very first thing he tempted him was with a loaf of bread. A loaf of bread isn't wrong. A loaf of bread is perfectly fine. But Jesus, I believe, had spiritual discernment to say no to a simple loaf of bread because he wanted something more than that. And he says in verse 13 and 14 in Luke here, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. And Jesus returned in, in the power of the Spirit into Galilee and there went out and fame of him throughout all the region round about. And when he went from there, he did one miracle after another with a shriveled body of probably skin and bones. I doubt he was fat to begin with. And by the end of 40 days, I imagine he was a very weakly human being, but he had the power of the Spirit. And he healed and he ministered and he preached. And there's many examples, or many, some examples in the Bible and through the early church where when they fasted and prayed or even went aside to pray, that you keep reading and you'll see miracles and you'll see great works of God that followed. You know, one of the upside down principles of God's kingdom is that when we are weak, then I am strong. And that is not something that is logical to the world. Paul understood this truth, not only understood it, but embraced it. And I won't read all that, but in 2 Corinthians 12, he talks about that thorn in his flesh. He was uncomfortable. He didn't want it. He asked God to remove it. But God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. And then Paul said, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. And I believe Paul understood the danger of his own flesh being a master to him. And he said, I would way rather live with infliction and whatever that thorn in the flesh was and be strong spiritually. You know, we live in an era and in a country and in a time where physical comfort and gadgets and excess abounds. We like our seat warmers, our seat coolers. We like our water not too warm, not too hot. We want the thermostat at 71, not 72. Who adjusted it? You know, uncomfortable. We comfort. And the food and drinks abound. Coffee shops on every corner. We can keep our bellies just plumb full all the time. Luke 21:34 says and take heed to yourselves lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life 
so that the day come upon you unawares. And surfeiting here is a word that we do not use in our normal everyday language, English language. But surfeiting means excess, to overindulge, to be uncomfortably full. Excess. He says, beware that your hearts are not overcharged or burdened down, weighed down. And our flesh, uh, I kind of do and kind of don't like it, but there is kind of a fleshly side that feels good to eat a big lunch and lots of corn and mashed potatoes, and then you can just stagger to the couch or wherever and just, you just, uh, feels so good. But your mind is dull. Your senses are dull. You're sleepy. And I think that is just playing a real physically, but then it bleeds over into the spiritual of our lives. If we live life that way, excess eating, excess drinking, excess hunting and fishing, and excess all our hobbies and whatever it might be, it dulls our spiritual senses. It makes us sleepy, makes us lukewarm, makes us lazy, sickly, spiritually, and unawares of the spiritual realities around us. And again, these things are not bad, but it's the in excess and the constant. And we know that the Laodicean church was that way, and, and Jesus warned about that. They were a church that had got caught up in the comforts all around them. They were, they were self-sufficient, they had plenty, and they said, we have, none, we have need of nothing. All our needs are met. And yet what they could not see, and Jesus was calling them to repentance, was that you think you have it all together. Like Joel talked about the man with the foundation, wrong foundations. They thought they had it all together. But what they couldn't see and we can't see, I can't see sometimes, is that I'm naked and I'm weak and I'm helpless. You know, back to the way that overeating and excess affects our minds. The fasting does the opposite. If you will take the time to fast, yes, it's uncomfortable, but there's a clarity that comes to your mind, a clearness that you can think. It's scientific. It's physical. And I would just encourage you brethren, young guys, old people, if you have a topic, if you have a devotional, and you just, you're panicking and you're not sure what to have and you can't think, fast and pray a little bit. Read the Scriptures. And I will, I believe that if you do that, you will find inspiration. You will find things to talk about out of God's Word. Read the Scripture when you fast and pray. Probably one of my worst weaknesses, I'll try to wrap this up here soon, is that I'll, I can fast, but then I get too busy to pray much and read much. And I think fasting alone. And even maybe fasting and prayer alone, too much, too long, could be dangerous. There's people, depending on your personality, we get spiritually romantic, you might say. Where you, you, you just think your own thoughts in a circle and you're fasting and praying and fasting. It's good to stop and read the scriptures and let God speak to our heart. And let those words speak to us and not just circular think in our own mind. Another thing that fasting does for us, helps do for us, it doesn't do totally because the Pharisees fasted and they were proud. 
that they fasted for the wrong reason. But if you fast for with a sincere heart, fasting will often help humble us. It's a, pro- it's a process that as we become weaker, we realize how weak and frail we actually are. We're just a fleshly human being. And in Isaiah 57, right before the chapter we read in verse 15, there's an interesting verse there. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. And that makes sense. We understand that God is high and holy, and he dwells in the high and the lofty places. But it goes on to say another place that he dwells. He says that, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. And contrite means to crush. I think it actually has a literal meaning of like powder. A person's heart, which Levi talked about soils and rocky hearts and um, the good heart, thorny heart. But to have a crushed heart where it's just powder, where it's soft, where it's not stony. And I think if we realize, you know, I have a stony heart, that if we fast and pray that God can work that heart, he can break it down, he can soften it for us. But it comes through humility. You know, we are geared as people, men especially, to climb, to go up, not down. And we have a little girl in our house that's only one years old, and she is a climber already. And we had a little ladder out the other day, and she climbed all the way to the top, top rung, and then looked down on the world proudly. But, you know, the problem was she didn't know how to get down. She got up, but she couldn't get down. And if we wouldn't have helped her, she would have probably fell and hurt herself. And so often in life, we are so focused on climbing and there's a sense where that's good spiritually, but in this world we get more, we get bigger, we get better, and we climb, but we don't know how to go down. It's harder to go down, to become lowly in heart, to, to downsize, to be meek. And strength is found in going lower. God is high and lofty, but he doesn't dwell with the high and the lofty. He dwells with the contrite and the humble. You want spiritual victory? Young men, young ladies, all of us, go down. Intentionally go down. Humble yourself. You know, we like jacked up pickups and big tires and power. And I know from experience, I've had some of them and it didn't give me spiritual power. It was... I enjoy some of that, enjoyed some of that. But if anything, too much earthly power becomes a hindrance to our spiritual ability to humble ourselves. And there's plenty of things, young ladies. It's not by the the more likes you get on social media. It's not by being popular. It's not by the outward adorning, although it's good to look nice. But it's the inward adorning of a meek and a quiet spirit that you will have strength and that you will find peace. So in conclusion, the purpose of the fast that God has chosen is so that we can hear His voice. We fast so that we can hear His voice. We fast 
so that when we hear his voice, we can align our hearts if they need aligned. It's we fast to loose the bonds of wickedness and to break the yokes in our lives. It allows us to look beyond our own problems and we can fast for other people and reach out. And it, it motivates action to help. And it is, as we started out, it's the answering of the knock. It is letting God in, letting him sup with us, letting him be the boss. You know, fasting isn't a popular thing, I don't believe. Even in many churches, music is popular, praise is popular. Listening to good speakers and being spoon-fed messages is okay. But spending time fasting and praying is where quiet inner strength is found. If you want to be a strong person and a strong man, then you need to start with on your knees. I would encourage us all, if you aren't already, from time to time, just fast from something in your life that you feel maybe isn't being expedient. And I'll end with Isaiah 58.8 again. It says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee. The glory of the Lord shall be thy rearward. God bless you, and let's have a song.